0: us pray. God, we thank you again that you are here with us. Open our eyes, hearts, minds, and spirits to your word this morning. That the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you this day. Amen. All right, so another question for you. How do we as human beings exercise self-control? I see some giggling. (laughs) Think it through. Okay, there's one, think it through. Don't buy everything on the Amazon. Think before you speak, yep. (laughs) That's a a bit of willpower in some ways, right? Um, Some people have no filter. That's not always a positive thing. What about maybe putting some guidelines or rules in place um, for your life? So like, I remember hearing Oprah say, like two decades ago at this point, that at that point in her life, she did not eat after 7 p.m. It's a guideline. Uh, We've got things like that. What about leaning into identity as an act of self-control? Have you ever thought of that? So for me, uh, the question, who am I as a child of God, helps me with self-control. It's an identity question. Because for me, it's one of those things where if I know who I am, or if I know who God has created me to be, then it gives me something to shoot for, it gives me something to, to strive and work towards. And so I get to live into it um, to the best of my ability in that moment. As a, as a business and leadership coach, I do a lot of reading on habits and affecting change in organizations and all this different kind of thing. And it's really fascinating, because a lot of the books that have been written on habits recently, uh, and even change in organizations is about cultural identity um, or personal identity. You know I am a person who da, 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 fill in the blank. Um, so if you're trying to change or develop a habit, one of the things that most habit experts say now is to connect it to your identity. So, if you are um, wanting to be a person who exercises two or three times a week or takes care of yourself, then that becomes part of your identity. You know, I'm a person who takes care of myself and I do it by. Da, 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 da. Um, it's about both action and identity, which I think um, self control relates to in lots of different ways. As I looked up the word for this uh, in the in the concordance, it said that the word that we translate self-control can also mean temperance, which means moderation. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting, because that's that's also not something that we see in our culture. Uh, our culture likes, you know the more bling the better right like in all honesty if i could put the spinny wheels on my corolla and have them light up i would do that for those of you who have no idea what i'm talking about it's fine i'll use some other hopefully more relevant uh, examples (laughs) but like i love those things like um, they're just fantastic and i put the little light underneath that's illegal i realize all of this right um the purple light that goes underneath the car, um, you know, my it would be like a unicorn on steroids if I could, you know, do my car up. Not exactly moderation, right? Huh. But at the same time, uh, you know, we are called to this idea of self-control. And it was interesting in reading the book that I've been kind of, following for this uh, sermon series, it didn't give any examples of how God in the Old Testament or Jesus uh, showed self-control, which I thought was really interesting because Jesus was fully human and fully divine. There was something of his humanity that that needed self-control. And I think we see that in this passage uh, about his temptation. Uh, Jesus did not sin. That is very, very clear in, in our theology, in scripture. Jesus did not sin, uh, which means that he had exceptional self-control um, in his, the human part of him. And it could be that the divine part of him just overshadowed that. Uh, I don't know. We'll never know, really, probably until we get to have a conversation with Jesus, you know, the other side of heaven. But I think there are some interesting things that we can apply to ourselves from this passage. So as I was thinking about this, there were some things that I saw in this passage that can help us. First, Jesus knew scripture, right? He didn't reply to the enemy with, some like random quote from Aristotle. Uh, He spoke back in scripture. Um, He knew scripture. So that's one of the things that in terms of exercising self-control or resisting temptation, we can know what scripture says. Also, Jesus knew God. Jesus had a really strong relationship um, with the father as we see in a lot of things that he talked about in his ministry. Um, and Jesus knew who he was. He had, a, he had a full sense of identity in terms of knowing, and I don't know if he would have used this language, uh, but knowing that he was fully divine and fully human, he knew he was the son of man or the son of God. And he used that language uh, when he was talking with people about who he was. And the thing that I find interesting as um, I was reading the commentary for this passage and this comes from page 153 uh, is this. The desert is the place of the first showdown between competing kingdoms and their rulers between two figures who lay claim to the hearts and souls of men and women. And rather than the retreat, Jesus now advances the kingdom of God. We've got two competing teams on the field, essentially. Uh, And and the enemy comes and tries to get Jesus to switch teams, which doesn't work, uh, as we see. And part of this, I believe, is because even at that point, um, at the very beginning now granted it was after 40 days and 40 nights and there's a lot of stuff that happens in fasting uh, but jesus worked in cooperation with the father and the spirit to fulfill his purpose and it started with the baptism that you read about right before um and then that leads to the wilderness where the spirit leads him into the wilderness. And Jesus declared what team he was on repeatedly like we have three examples of the enemy testing him, but I wonder if there were more and Jesus didn't just he didn't share those with his disciples. Um, so they couldn't write about it. How many of you are familiar with uh, soccer, also known as football, and, and its popularity around the world, anybody. So. I studied in Spain for three months and there are some very excellent football teams um, as they call it in the rest of the world uh, in, in Spain, Real Madrid, Barcelona, like there's some serious teamage going on. And the World Cup is happening in Qatar very soon. Um, I don't know if you go online to read your news, the only place I get news, but there's lots of headlines about how, how FIFA, uh, well, how the stadium that's in Qatar will not be selling alcohol. Uh, It has made international news, which I think in some ways is hysterical. Um, It shows how much a lot of the countries have drinking as part of their culture. Um, But, you know, from from a Middle Eastern standpoint, especially from a Muslim standpoint, they do not drink. Um, And so that way, to me, it's not a surprise that they're not uh, serving alcohol in the stadium. Um, But, you know, all of that to be said, there's a lot going on now in terms of, you know, people rooting for their teams um, it's a national thing, and uh, it's one of those things that develops a pretty strong sense of identity. Um, for most of the world, uh, the FIFA World Cup is the equivalent to like our when we send people to the Olympics, right? We all get behind our our team people from a national perspective. We're rooting for them. Um, we generally don't do that with soccer. Um, unless you, you really like it, Um, because we have other sports that we're more um, engaged in as a country. But I say all of that to say, uh, and kind of hit home the point of identity. Um, If you are rooting for a team really strongly, um, what do we normally say, right? Oh, we won. We lost. And let's be clear, the people sitting on the couch watching TV had nothing to do with the win or with the win or lose of the game. Like no input, our desire for whether or not they were going to win or lose, zip, like absolute zip. There's an identity piece to it, right? So that's one of those things that I will say is neither good or bad. But Jesus invites us to find our identity uh, in him, in being a child of God, where all of those other things lack precedence, we'll say. Um, So our jobs, our job titles, uh, where we went to college, what sports teams we like, those are all things that are good and, and helpful, I think, for, to form a sense of community. But at the same time, if our identity is locked more into those things than it is to being a child of God and what God expects and how we are to act, there's a disconnect. Um, so to put this as an example, uh, one of the things that I do, apart from coaching leaders and, and business people, Um, I also do spiritual direction with leaders. Uh, My call is to to help leaders be who they've been created to be and live into that. And so one of the things I get to do is work a lot with clergy. And most clergy uh, have a hard time with boundaries because there's this blurring, I'll say, between a call and a vocation. So a call to me is something that God asks us to do. God invites us to do. Vocation is something we do. Um, and there, for clergy people, uh, they can be hard to separate because it becomes so much a part of our identity. Uh, you know, to ask a clergy person, well, what would you do if you weren't a pastor? Most of them would have no idea. I would do a lot of other things if I wasn't a clergy person. Uh, But I've also worked on separating the roles that I play. So like preacher, leader, spiritual director, leadership coach, um, training and retreat facilitator. Like those are all things I do. They're not who I am. Because I am a child of God. And so that identity then helps me live into self-control and all of these other fruit of the spirit so if you were to describe the personality or identity of this congregation of this church how would you describe it And this is not just an illustration, like this will be important for you if you decide to disaffiliate because you will have to tell people who you are to get people in the door. Who are you? Quiet. (laughs) (laughs) What else? Giving, I think you've got some things to pray about and listen to who God says you are. Because if you can't answer that question, some of the discernment that you guys get to do over the next couple months um, may be a bit more difficult if you're not sure of who you are as a group. And, you know, it's one of these things where we're invited to declare what team we're on. Uh, In So one of the things that I've done in my life is the Ignatian exercises. And it's one of these prayer disciplines where you can either do it in 30 days or you can do it over about eight months. I chose to do it over about eight months. It was, it's called the Exercises in Daily Living. Uh, My director gave me certain scriptures to pray with every day. And so I'd pray with those and then I journal about what, uh, what came in prayer. And one of the parts of that is to to choose what team we're on. And it's like a literal thing where um, the, the imagery that's used is about banners. So um, you have Christ's banner on one side, like literally, you know, like the big flags that people um, can carry. So you've got one of them where Christ is on one side. And then because I'm very visual, and then there was the enemy and his team on the other side with their banner. And yeah, you have to choose. In order to continue to move through the prayer exercises, you have to choose what team you want to be representing. And that, that choice, I realize has formed me over these last nine years, because um, I did it in 2013. And so how does our identity play into what team we're on? How do our actions, help or hurt advancing the kingdom we need to choose and a lot of this comes in through identity like willpower doesn't help us like we ha- have only so much willpower every day uh, have like that's why some people wear the same clothes all the time or have a really limited wardrobe because if they make a lot of decisions through the day or if they have a position where people come to them and ask lots of questions, they can get decision fatigue. And so by the end of the day, there's less um, bandwidth or potential for choosing a good decision. Um, and so self-control is the same way. You might eat you know, fruit for breakfast but then have a cookie for dinner. Um, a giant cookie from Panera, Uh, probably not the best thing. Uh, So, you know, how do we do this both individually and as the body of Christ? And I think a lot of it comes from, like I said, our identity, what guides us in how we interact with people or how we want other people to feel. Um, My director a couple months ago uh, asked me the question, Cause I was talking about how like my sense of caring had decreased pretty significantly, um, which is an odd thing to say, but she was like, I'm pretty sure you care about something. So what is it you care about? And my response was, I care about treating people and creation with dignity, respect, and honor. And so for me, self-control comes from what I care about. It comes from this belief that the world and people have been created by God and therefore um, deserve to be treated with dignity, respect, and honor. That's how it's how I go about life. So you know, gentleness. Although I am not good at that, um, much better than I was fifteen years ago. Lucky you guys. <laughs> Lucky world, really. Um, you know, and all of these other fruit of the spirit, they're all intertwined and help us be who we're supposed to be, to be who God has created us to be. And if I have my primary identity, that I am a child of God, then my and if my actions are in alignment with that belief and they ultimately reflect God's love, then I can easily exercise self-control. Does that make sense? Like, so if you've got one thing, then it goes to the next, then it goes to the next. And so you don't have to constantly be worried about, oh, I need to you know, ex- exhibit self-control. Like there's another question we can be asking ourselves. So it's not about necessarily willpower or guidelines or rules, which can be really helpful at first. I'm not negating those things, but, at a, at a certain point, it comes down to who am I really? And is the outside, what I, am I authentically showing who I am as someone who has been created in the likeness and image of God? It's both simple and really difficult at the same time. We're gonna stumble. You know, we're going to fall on our faces, and we're going to say things that are probably inappropriate or hurtful, and we don't mean them to be. I'm still someone who loses my temper in the car. I had someone turn left in front of me when I had a green light, and he looked at me like I was the one who was insane. I didn't react well. And I was like, oh, I'm really glad it's cold and my windows are (laughs) up." (laughs) yeah you know we're growing and i like if if we can see ourselves with humor and grace and also know that we're striving for self-control i think our lives will be much much easier especially if we come at it from a place of identity um yeah If you have any questions, because I realize this is a bit more kind of like theoretical, or um, yeah, I don't even know what the word is. This is just kind of very different um, than some of the other fruit of the spirit. Uh, feel free to email me, call me, text me. Um, I or after worship here, you know, I'd be happy to answer your questions because uh, this is to me. Uh, The fruit of the spirit in a lot of ways are who we are in Christ. And so if we are asking God to ripen them in us and we're listening to how the spirit is active, then I don't think we can help but show them more and more. And so bring people more and more to God and have have people receive the love of Christ that we know is there. Because that's part of who we are—is sharing the love of Christ, and a lot of that has to do with how we are in the world, and self-control is a big part of that. So let's pray as uh, as we will do for the last time. But I want to also encourage you that to keep this and pray it for yourself. You know, if this is something that's been important to you. Uh, or you know you want to pray every day but you don't know what to pray that's a great prayer. Wow. So let's pray together as uh, it is on the back of your bulletin. Heavenly Father, I pray that this day I may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Amen. All right, it's time for our offering. Thank you.